Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hi. Welcome to Black Ticulate, a podcast series featuring UK young black professionals where we find out how they do what they do so you can too. Or not. After all, it is your life. <laughs> hey guys, once again, thanks very much for joining me on another episode of Black Ticulate. Now, if this is the first time you come into this, Black Ticulate is a podcast series featuring UK young black professionals where we find out how they do what they do so you can too in short black excellence trust um so today's guest is amazing she is phenomenal and her name is Imri Morgan for those of you who don't know her she's the co-founder of Shoutout Network which is a UK people of color podcast network don't come at me Imri if I've said that wrong um <laughs> as well as she's the co-host of Melanin Millennials. And she speaks about what makes a good podcast from her personal experience, as well as what you need in order for you to start your own. So if you are looking to start your own podcast, then this will be a great episode for you. Um, As always, guys, I simply ask, if you've enjoyed this episode, please let us know by just giving us a review on iTunes, Anything you can do to help promote this would be greatly appreciated. So without further ado, I bring to you Imri Morgan. Sweet, we're good. Yo, 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 yo. Have you ever listened to any of my episodes? Just out of interest. Yeah, I've listened okay, to a cool. couple of them. <laughs> so you know I always start off with by going, yo, 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 guys, welcome to another episode of Black Ticulate. And as always, as always, we have Black Excellence on the show. We always try and get our guest to tell us exactly how it is they do what it is they do so you can too so in front of me i've got an amazing lady she's killing it in the game yeah you are imri you are uh, say hi to the peoples hello everyone <laughs> imri. Um, you are killing it um imri i normally throw it out to my guests can you just by those who don't know you what you do and then we'll just roll from there give us a blurb <sighs> what do i do um so i'm the ceo of the shout out network i'm also the co-founder so I actually do like the day-to-day running of the network. So making sure that getting the audio out on time um, and then finding partnerships and sponsors and planning events. Okay. And so many other things that I have to do as part of like making this network bang. Um, I like and, it, bang. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then also I'm the co-host of the Men and Millennials podcast, um, right. which kind of started, was the first podcast on the network. 
Amazing. And you guys have been going for how long? The network or Belinda Millennials? Oh, you didn't start together No, so the network started, oh. it was FA's initial idea from maybe like 2014. And then around, I want to say summer of 2015, um, he started proactively reaching out to people to do shows. We were finding that people just didn't know what podcasting was. They wanted to do YouTube instead. It was just a mess. So I was like, let me and Satya just start this thing. Because we were talking about it anyway. And By the so, way, Satya is your co-host. Satya is right? the co-host of Better Than Millennials. Yeah. And I was like, well, we'll just start it and then hopefully lead by example. And then people will come to the network and also we'll just wax lyrical about things that are important yeah. um, on air. And luckily we did. And now we have like mostly lit and then Tuples Talking and Artistic State of Mind um, and on Archived. So a lot of shows later and yeah. we're here. Yeah, okay, so, jeez. I need to, I always do this to my guests, I almost need to rewind and get into the background and then <clears throat> forgive those sound effects, guys. I, <laughs> yeah, I'm not too sure I might have that on the tape. I might just edit that out. But point is, I'd like to rewind and just almost get a background of who you are. And so hopefully people who are similar in their background can actually go, I never knew this was a route and this is something I potentially can do. Sure. So, Imri, tell yeah. us, like, growing up, where are you from? Oh, and you know that's a loaded question when they get where it's from. It's so loaded because I'm like, where do I start? Uh, so I was born in Luton, a little stain outside of London. Ouch, stain, <laughs> you know. Luton is not known for it's like it's not known for nice things. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I love Luton. Like, I go back all the time. My fam- my dad's family is from there. Okay. Uh, well, they're from Jamaica, but they live there, and my mom's family was originally living there. So, right. it. I go back, it's very pleasant. Um, so that's where I was born, and I grew up there for the first five years of my life before we moved to London. Right. And we were living in South London for a while. I went to the whitest primary school. <laughs> whitest? Like, it was in, like, suburban, <laughs> freaking back end of Croydon, like... Oh, no. Like, Shirley in the Shrublands. Okay. In, like, half Bromley, half Croydon. It was... Why? Why there? Um, because we... We got to London quite late in when I was in year three, I want to say. Um, so my mom kind of just like lifted us out of primary school and just plonked us into a new one. So we were on waiting lists for quite a few. Okay. And we were living in South Norwood and all of them were full. So we kept going further and further afield until this one had space. And it was actually a really nice primary school. It was in a nice area. Like I had a lovely time. Um, was this where, was it all girls? Was this the No, one? so the primary school was actually mixed. I uh, gotcha. Do they have all girls primary I schools? I will know. send any child I have there. Really? I would. Okay. Um, what? We'll get Why? To that. We'll yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, so we got moved again. Not we got moved, but my mom decided that me and my sisters were internalizing some kind of weird role models and images around like who we wanted to be I was asking my mom like every day if I could relax my hair okay um yeah I I guess she was seeing some like image related issues and she was like so my children are not doing this because she's like super pro-black okay um and she was like we're going to the Caribbean and she didn't tell us how long for she was like we're going I thought it was a holiday and then there were meetings with the school that we're not coming back. And I didn't realise. I was like nine years old. Right. Um, and then we ended up moving to St. Kitts. So we lived there for a year. Went to school there. Fully engraced ourselves in what, what community. What is school like out there? Um, it's amazing in that all of our school was so small. So it's really tiny classrooms. I'm thinking, I think it's compared to here, it's like 15 kids in a classroom, maybe less. Right. Okay. Um, obviously, everyone is black, which is 
surprisingly pleasant. Um, and they're really short. <laughs> surprisingly pleasant. It is really pleasant. Because right. um, usually you go to inner city schools. Because the comparison comes late when I go to a high school here. Right. And um, over there, it's so strict. Like, they do, they can and will beat you. <laughs> so, oh, at school. Corporal um, punishment. Yeah, it's very much alive and kicking. <laughs> um, I was actually surprisingly good, so I didn't right. get too many. And my auntie was the headmistress of the school there. So... I don't get like teacher's favors, but Are you I was sure. I was teacher's pet, but I've always been teacher's pet. I was right. such a dork. quite studious. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. So we came back after a year where I had like a fake Caribbean accent, and okay, <laughs> um, and I went to what has to be one of the blackest high schools in South London, Westwood. Right. So yeah, Westwood was a trip. Like it's an all girls school. Right. It was my first kind of fully all girls school environment. Yeah. Um, and then when we got to like GCSEs and picking you know, um, sixth forms and colleges and things, I was like, uh, I didn't. I don't think I looked at any mixed options. I think maybe one or two just to have it as like backup. Right. <laughs> but all of my options were basically the all girls schools, and I just felt more comfortable around like women and okay. female energy. So I chose a Catholic sixth form. <laughs> okay <laughs> because you know what in the open day they were so strict like they weren't playing around like they were just like basically insulting you really? whilst you're at their open day where they're trying to sell you a position like it was bizarre and i was like i like them but you like keep me in line yeah. um, so i was just like i need the order i need like that strictness because if, if i have the freedom that these other places had i probably would just fail or be pregnant or something really um, though wow <laughs> wow I like i go in extremes wow i will work yeah. really hard or i'm just going to end up like pregnant a, a wow. pregnant teen i don't know probably wouldn't have but who knows right. what the options would have been Jeez. yeah catholic school yeah it was fun um what did you study i did biology chemistry english lit and what was the other one psychology clearly oh, wow. i love them all so much and i was studying to be a doctor um right, i had okay. a, from a very early age I wanted to be a forensic scientist, and then I really was like, I just want to cut open, cut open bodies, which sounds creepy. I know, well, I'm with you. But I wanted to do that. That was like my life's path from when I was like 13 years old. Just to cut up buddies. I just want to open <laughs> someone up. And like in year 10, a science teacher said, you know, in order to do that, you have to be a pathologist, and pathologists are doctors. And I was like, I thought I could be whatever, and I could just go and do that, because right. they're dead. Like, I don't know, I don't <laughs> a doctor to do that. Um, so I just went on that path of, for medicine. Yeah. And I really hated chemistry and it was really a pain. Oh. It was really difficult. I okay. found chemistry really difficult. And then I got to like maybe April before A-level exams and I was like, I don't want to do medicine. Oh. Um, what, what was the catalyst for trailer? I, I think I had done a couple of placements in hospitals. Ah. I was just like, I feel unduly stressed. I don't really like this. And I do, also don't like people that much to treat them if they're sick. Okay. Um, it, it sounds really <laughs> harsh, but it was true. I was like, I don't want to look after sick people. I actually want to do this one specific thing. Just cut you up. Yeah. And I was yeah. like, what? There's got to be a way that I can get to that place right. without going this really long route. And when you look at medicine, it's like five years of your life. I'm like, yeah. oh, I would probably be a med school dropout. Like, I was just looking at, like, I don't want to be in uni for five years. Okay. I just don't. So I actually cancelled all of my places. Like, I got into, I think, four out of five Amazing. that I had applied. Um, I just cancelled all of them and I was like I'm gonna just take my chances with clearing and luckily Durham was actually in the clearing pool and I was like Durham was actually my first choice I did apply to Durham for biomed gotcha. and I was like it was my first choice to do to go there and I ended up doing anthropology biological anthropology ah. um, because I read a book by Clea Koff called The Bone Woman 
she was a forensic anthropologist and she used to go around to kind of mass graves in, I think she went to Bosnia, uh, Rwanda and one other place that I can't remember. And she would dig up these mass graves in the hopes that she could identify the family members and she would analyze their bones and try to identify. And I was like, that is cool. Like, that is what I want to do. So I studied anthropology. For three years? For three, four years, yeah, yeah, at university at Durham. And yeah, I was just loving it. And then I did do the bone studying and it was so boring. Oh my God, it was so boring. I was like, why am I doing this? I hate this so much. It was so bad. Like, I was like, this is so boring. Right. So it got to, we got to um, picking dissertation subjects. So I was like, I'm going to go for biological strictly. And my options were people, monkeys or bones. And I was like, people, hell no. Bones, definitely not. So monkeys I'm in monkeys. <laughs> um, and I got a position. So in so luckily, because I lived in St. Kitts and my family's from there, there's um, two centers of research in St. Kitts where they study monkeys. And ah. I had decided that I'm going to study these monkeys for my dissertation. And I, my auntie connected me with the people that worked there because she had a friend from church who also worked there. It's always how it works. Everything goes down in church. Networking networking in the black community goes down in church, people. Um, So she got me the connect and they said, okay, we have these monkeys that have fetal alcohol syndrome. What? I need to. Let's not. Okay. Um, That's that's so interesting. (laughs) Fetal alcohol syndrome. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So they, they were like, yeah, we have these monkeys that you can study the behavior on. And I was like, okay. So my dissertation, I can't remember the full title. It was like something like, oh, investigating the impaired neuropathology of the vervet monkey in St. Kitts or something like that. It was probably more well, longer than that. So, but, yeah. so it wasn't niche then, it was quite generic. Yeah, yeah. In, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, it was pretty basic. Um, I was going to be sarcastic. <laughs> <laughs> but you were like, yeah, pretty basic. What? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was something simple like that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> impaired neuropathology just meant that they had fetal alcohol syndrome. It just sounded way more fancy than it needed 100%. to be. 100%. I actually like left uni for two months to go there. Um, during the Christmas period and studied these monkeys. I didn't actually have to give them alcohol. The alcohol had already been given to them before yeah. I got there, like a few years before I got there. So it wasn't me making monkeys so drunk. So you can sleep at night. I Rest easy. I actually <laughs> have epics. like a whole different relationship to animals because of that experience. Because uh, it is a medical is a medical research centre. So a lot of like... They're in cages and whatnot. Yeah, they're in it's cages. Just... And it's not cruel. It's not unnecessarily cruel. But I can, like, for me, I was just like, I had to, you have to develop a really thick skin. Like, if you can't see animals, like, dying of things. Mm. This is not the job for you. Like, there's a lot of things that you will see going around that kind of look gross and are unpleasant. So, yeah, I studied that. I did that for two months. And then afterwards, I did the dissertation, passed uni. I graduated top three, actually. Um, so now we've graduated. Yes, yeah, so I've graduated. And the centre said, we have a longer study on this. Would you like to come back and keep doing what you're doing? And I was like, yeah, what? You are so fascinating because <laughs> your background thus far and what you do right now is like chalk and cheese. Yeah. So you, no, no, I'm still with you in the story because how is this literally coming to where we sit right now? By the way, guys, we are sitting in the stewed, as you call it. Stewed. Um, I won't have to describe it, will I? I'm sure. It's my living room, room mate. <laughs> it's your living room. <laughs> right now it's operating as living room. Um, yeah. It's living room by day and studio by night. And like, there's always equipment lying around. Everywhere. And wires to trip over. Which is amazing. Um, now you're officially in um, St. Kitts. 
you're studying, or rather, actually, you're not studying. Working. You're, you're working. You're employed. Yeah. What made you? I was you, rich there, man. Were you? Like, were you? You're yes. living a life. I was. I was like balling. In, in, in St. Kitts terms, it was like basically poor here if I was here, but yeah, <laughs> it's all relative. You're making it rain. <laughs> Love that. Then, then what happened? Like, how comes we find you here? That's such a great question. So I honestly, I was doing so well. I was, I had like I wasn't struggling for like money or anything. Yeah, I had a roof job. over my head, which was actually a very nice house. Um, and like yeah, it was it was cool. Like I had friends. I was going to beaches and parties and everything. And I was living on an island. Like th- there's not much. <laughs> there's yeah. only so much trouble you can get in. And then um, yeah, my project was kind of coming wrapping up. Um, so they put me on a different project, which was for me really difficult. It was a really tough project. Um, oh, okay. I, I don't know how much I can say about it, but I had to. They gave the monkeys something that was with the intention that it would impact them quite negatively. And then the end result would that be that they have to die. So I'd already Holy seen smokes. like, yeah, I would see the, this is not for the faint hearted. No, it really wasn't. So I saw the first wave of that project because it came in two waves. Um, the first wave, I was already knee deep in what I was doing. And I just knew that there was this intense study happening because it actually the disease was that it affected people in, I think, Papua New Guinea. And they were like, we need to help find a cure for this this disease that the these basically these oil merchants brought into this community. And so they were trying to find a cure and they used the monkeys to help mm, yeah. facilitate that, which is a very noble aim. I'm, I'm not opposed to that. I'm very for that kind of thing. But it was like three, four weeks of giving them the monkeys this thing, looking for signs and then cut them open and do the pathological studies on them. And it was like intense. I was like, whoa, a lot of monkeys died um, in the first wave. And then I was studying them for, I think, eight weeks and knowing that at the end of that eight weeks, we, and when you watch them day in, day out for hours a day, it's really hard to know. That, yeah. yeah, it's really hard to know that like, oh, I'm not going to see you like tomorrow. Right. You're go- And I took the day like they said, you can take the day like we know. So, yeah, that was tough. I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can. I'm, I'm thick enough to deal with that. That was intense and my visa was coming to an end and I was like, yeah, I think, I think it's time for me to go home. I feel ready to go back to London and figure that out. And then I came back, was unemployed for about three, four months and then became an account manager at a recruitment startup. Why account management? Why recruitment? It I mean, was really considering random. your expertise. <laughs> yeah. So I did actually apply. Like, you're unbelievably qualified. <laughs> know. You know, the medical field. You're right. And I did <laughs> aggressively apply for a lot of other research positions. Um, I did apply for like another uh, study in, I think, Puerto Rico. And I, they, they emailed me and said the only reason I didn't get it is because they gave it to a local. And I was like, that completely makes sense. I would advocate for them giving that job yeah. to a local. Don't give it to me. Um, so I did apply for a few places. I was going to do a master's, actually, in psychiatry at McGill. That did not pan out because I didn't want to do a master's in the end. Okay. And yeah, there was just like, it, it was just getting either like no answers or no responses. And then I was like, do I want to go back into the monkey thing anyway? Because I kind of left that for a reason. I could have stayed there and done that. And then I was just like, okay, what jobs are available? And there were a lot of recruitment jobs. It's got such a high turnover in recruitment. Right. So I started applying for loads of recruitment jobs just to have a job. And then a recruiter took a liking to me and was like, I think you'll do really well in this position as an account manager. And I was like, I don't know what that is, but sure, why not? Okay. I was incredibly bad at being an account manager. I wasn't bad at it, but they found that my strengths lied elsewhere okay. <laughs> really quickly. <laughs> um, and I ended up taking on the content and the social media and the community management side of things. And so I 
pursued that more and they kept giving me more of that work and I took over the email marketing side and I was seeing like there's something really satisfying in seeing something grow which is why I'm now in the position I'm in because long story short eventually Talent Puzzle starts to dissolve but and the founder leaves and then I team up with the my line manager who then becomes the, the CEO and we go off to create this referral or talent referral app. Um, what was that called? Look at you. Nudge with a J. Nudge with a J. Talent yeah. referral app. Yeah, okay. it's a talent referral app. And so we did that in like 2014, which was around the same time I met Effie. Right. And he was talking about this podcast network. I was like, I don't know what that is, boo. Like, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it is. I don't care, but it's a podcast. Right. Um, so I was like, I need to learn different sides of marketing. I was actually very much like involved full-blown marketing. I was like, I go to, I went to so many Google campus events and talks. I saw Nir Eyal, uh, who wrote Hooked, which is like my Bible. Um, I was like fully ingrained in this community in like Old Street, Silicon Roundabout or whatever they're calling it now. Yeah, that's Silicon Roundabout. Yeah. So that was a really cool phase. And then somewhere along the way, we were going through the motions and being really excited. I had like a podcast awakening when Serial just came out and blue and yeah. bear in mind FA had been talking to me about podcasts long before serial became yeah. like a thing um, and I was like oh. someone else external to him had to tell me oh you should check out this thing it's called serial it's a podcast and I was like oh my god I will it's and funny because that's everyone's listen. awakening isn't it yeah. serial bit by the way guys we've mentioned FA quite a bit on this podcast not too sure if we've given a thorough <laughs> understanding of who he is so. FA is the founder of the shout out network um he's also the person in charge of all of our audio and he is also my significant other in life okay (laughs) (laughs) he is my partner in crime so shout out and nudge were working simultaneously Mm -hmm. um melanin millennial started recording and at this point i'm still not in shout out like that it was when melanin millennial just before melanin millennial started and i was going to the meetings with fa to find people to do podcasts he was like I actually want you... When you say find people, you mean talent? Like talent. On on air talent. No, 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 no. So on... Content uh, producers. Yeah, just content creators. Creators, sorry. And potential podcasters for the network. Um, Me and Satya were still in conversations, but we were still not taking it that seriously. So I would just go to the meetings and sit down with him and just brainstorm what he can do and what what we can do from the side of growing the network, not just in audience, because you need a a podcast to have an audience. Um, So... I was just involved in that one. He was like, I think I kind of want you to run this thing. I was like, I don't know about all that. I've got like my own thing going on and I'm good. (laughs) (laughs) And he was like, no, no, no. I think you know what you're doing. Um, I asked him for a business plan, like basic things I'd ask him for. Everybody is just not that way inclined. Like that's not his bag to do, to formalize things. Whereas I'm very strategic in, in how I approach things. And I'm very organized and methodical. And that's like the opposite of him. Yin yang. Yeah. Complete opposite. It's yeah. infuriating almost, but also necessary. Right. Um, and then I was like, okay, maybe I guess. And so we started, I was like, fine, we'll start Melanin Millennials. Um, me and Satya agreed upon the name, started the recording, and then figuring out like the actual physical process of getting a podcast out there. Right. So we were hosting so for tell us about that. I mean, now we're bringing into the how-tos, which yeah, is yeah. what Black Ticulate really is all about. Yeah, so figuring that out. So you've got the name, right? Yeah. Got you've the- now, obviously, you've got your co-host because you don't want to do it alone. You felt it was quite rich to have a co-host. Yeah, and at this point, there was no business strategy. I was just running this thing. I was a person by title. I was like, I didn't know what it meant. 
I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just here growing our show. Um, how many? How much content did you have prior to your launch, or was it was it a strategy to try and get X amount? Yeah, we before launching and then just being able to publish it. Yeah, I think our plan was to have three episodes on launch, and then we were going to just record weekly. That was always the plan because it was such a topical show. So our first two episodes were recorded maybe like the beginning of November, end of October. And then we recorded, I think, a third one because something big had happened in the third episode. I can't remember what it was. I think a girl, it was to do with a girl's braids being fired from work or not getting a job. Right. And it was like, we can't not talk about this as like black girls with natural hair and wearing extensions. So we did like a kind of emergency recording just before we were meant to launch the show. Right. Um, we also had no shower network website. Like there was a really basic version of the website that they hired someone to do and it was terrible. And so I was like, I have 16 hours before this show goes out to get a website up um, and to have something there to say like, okay, this is all, this is where we collect this thing and this is what the network's going to be. And I'd say we put it out there. I don't even, I can't even tell you the first place we promoted it. It might have been like on Twitter. Um, So you were definitely like full throttle when it came down to the launch. Yeah. And you're doing it simultaneously whilst Nudge was happening. Whilst Nudge was happening. But funnily enough, things shifted in Nudge. So the relationship between me and the founder just shifted. Like, I don't know, like we were great. And then I came back and it was like, not great. So Uh I don't know if like, whilst I was away, there was meetings with investors. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But the energy changed, the relationship changed. And it just went, it was just getting unpleasant Uh to say the least, like really unbearable. And I was like, I don't really know what's going on, but I'm doing this other thing on the side that's actually giving me joy. So I have all of the things in my life, like my relationship was fine and my side projects were fine, but work is the one thing that's off now. Whereas before it was more friends and family relationships were a bit off before and then. So something always has to be off kilter um, for me to be okay. Life. Yes, life happens and it comes at you so fast. Um, And so I I was like, okay, I'm just going to commit to the network full time because things were going well. We had added two full talk and just started right. we were planning the roof party for other podcasters that are out there because yeah. there were a limited number of us at still at that time and so having like i think there was about 60 people on the roof and maybe about 20 or 30 of them were actual podcasters or yeah, it was aspiring. a banging party by the way guys i i went to it and <coughs> the food was on point yeah the food, I mean, was, good. The food was on point i, mean, I didn't even I can, get a proper plate you know because i lost my i keys. mean i came for the food i mean no joking i came for the uh... <laughs> Because that was the first thing I saw you doing. You were like, this food. I went in. It was banging. It was a, it was a good way to launch and actually, you know, showcase who you guys were. And yeah. We had a lot of great content creators, myself included, if I can be so humble to say that. Shut up, you want black experience in America. <laughs> it's funny because actually I don't think I've mentioned this and hopefully not to derail our conversation, but we met via Google Campus. Yes, we did. Way back. I just remember, you know, you guys were talking. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, 
things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. About trying to get me on the Shout Out Network. And I was like, nah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. <laughs> you know, because at the time, I'd, I'd launched one you guys hadn't. Because at the time, I had Rene, who's from ACAS, who was like, nope, I've already got you, an advertiser, we're launching. And oh, nice. you know, I think I mentioned at the time yeah, I was on like I was on homepage as well for the yeah, UK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the news I remember you saying because we had a to and fro via. Um, <coughs> she slid into my DM, guys. I did. Ask, uh, no, do you know what it was? You slid into my DMs. Actually, that's all I was saying. <laughs> our meeting was very tedious because I remember leaving like thinking you were the. Um, oh really? Like, I was I'm a not nice person. Okay. I was just like, who is this guy? Because I think he said something like we were talking about. You said. You had NHS blood donors. It was like, I'll give blood. And I was like, no, I don't do that. And you were like, okay. Um, oh, no. Is there a particular reason for that? And it was like, I think there was just like, we just kept, got off on the wrong foot. And I just remember that interaction being like so negative. And then you, I think you said like, I you said I was like angry or something you said. And then you said you like Charlemagne. I was like, okay. That was it. Yeah. I, I, think, <laughs> I think it was a case of Charlemagne. It might have been Charlemagne the God, the brilliant idiots, guys. Yeah. It was a case where, because, I mean, with all due respect, you're very opinionated. I didn't know who you were and you're just throwing your opinions, countering my opinions. But the way it came across was like, you're trying to really bash your opinions and I should agree. And I was like, but I'm someone who doesn't take a step back neither. So maybe that's where... Yeah, we both heads. heads. That was like the first maybe. interaction me ever had. Yeah. And then I was like, oh. Because I was just really trying to hang. And like, you know, Satya was telling me this. I was like, yeah, go ahead, Satya. And we was just like, yeah. And I think you were giving me your head, head sassy. I don't know, you're How sassy. You were sassy. You were sassy. Not doing but listen, <laughs> water beneath the bridge, spilt milk. We're here. Yeah, we're here now. Woo, it's getting taken to the office. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was, it was a random thing. Because um, that was like the first time I'd heard the word podcast outside of the confines of FA. Right, gotcha. Um, with like, with regards to someone physically doing it. Um, so yeah, I was like, oh. Yeah. This is I know and we hadn't watched Melanin Millennials. Melanin Millennials wasn't Melanin Millennials yet. It was just we're talking about the idea of doing one. We have not got a name yet, I don't think. Um so yeah, that was October and we recorded I think our first episode at the end of that month. Brilliant. Um Yeah, apologies, I do reality. So we were talking no, in regards to obviously you now moving from nudge because of all the chaoticness going on and then you're like, Okay, well, this is what's giving me joy, shout out network. Let me actually go full throttle. Yeah, we've seen just based off your background and just your educational experiences that you're great with content. So you went hard, you went ham. Yeah. You've now got this product, right? Yeah. And then you had other content creators, um, two fools, talking and mostly lit. Yeah, and mostly lit. So can I then? I guess I want to just almost just start bringing it in, really, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. If someone was listening who does want to create a podcast, well, what's the best advice and like? Based off your experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny that people ask me this question. Um, mostly because I do, I'm not involved in the, the selection process, right? right? So with me, I kind of answer this based on my own personal preference around how I listen to podcasts and what I look for in podcasts personally. Yeah, sure. Um, on the network side, I'll try and kind of bring that in. 
for me, I look for like really original or fresh opinions. So something I've literally never heard before, whether it sounds different from an audio perspective, like you're experimenting the sound, you're designing something. That's really cool. Use of sound and making it more dynamic. I love that kind of thing in podcasts. I don't always love what they're saying, but I just like that experience of just like, wow, this is something someone's done different, experimenting with, experimenting with audio. Right, um, interesting. And so I like that personally. And I also like podcasts that help me grow. Um, I got in trouble for saying this on Twitter the other day and I was just like, but that's how I listen to podcasts. Like, this is my own personal preference. And people take my opinions as if they're the opinions of shout out. They're not. Right. I have very, very strong opinions, as we all know. And they got nothing to do with shout out. So from that side of things, I like I look for like the business and the entrepreneur stuff. I like hearing people's stories and how they got, not from when they started to bang, but how did they get to the bang, like what your show does. So I do actually enjoy listening to those, that process. And those journeys. So that's what I kind of choose personally. Mm. When it comes to the network side of things, as I have biases <laughs> that I'm aware of, like right. they're not unconscious, they're very conscious biases. And sometimes I just don't want to check them. So they're going to stay. <laughs> and that's why I don't select the audio. Um, I'm not involved in that process. FA does that because he's way more open-minded about content um, than I am. I will listen to what I want to listen to. Yeah, um, sure. I will select in my own image. I know that. Uh, and that's not going to work for everybody. So he is very open-minded. So for him, at least with the process that I've seen, we get pictures all the time. Oh, really? Okay. All the time. When these pictures come in, I think a lot of people just see the idea and think, yeah, I can do that. I, I can just go onto a microphone and talk. Okay. And it's not that. It will take so much out of you. So my advice would always be like, you really need to, if you're going to go for a specific subject, know your subject. Like with Mostly Lit, I think they had some initial challenges in the beginning where they were to stay on topic when it came to literature. They were pop culture and literature. And I was like, if you stay within your literature and really hone that in, then your pop culture will be like the, the side dish to that. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> your face when I said side dish, like, um, no, no, it, should be the, it should be the salad, not the main course, yeah. right? Um, and so they eventually, now they're doing exceptionally well because they've done that. And that is how the network helps influence content not directly but it's just like your subject should be this you need to know your subject um and I think a lot of people think they can sustain something over time and unless your show is built on a guest format if you're talking about like comic books or I don't know science fiction I think you need to know that subject almost in and out because doing a show week in week out will push you to the limits of your knowledge so it's is it often I don't know have you found that it's best to publish weekly I don't know. So we we started off with this weekly format. With us, we always ask um, the hosts if they want to do it weekly, fortnightly or whatever, or monthly. Like what schedule did they have in mind? And I think certain shows work better um, at like longer intervals. So, I mean, Mel and Millennials works well as a weekly show because it's based on what's happening in that week. Makes sense. Uh, mostly it could go either way if they wanted to, but they are really good at having a new subject and a fresh opinion every week. So they work well weekly as a book podcast. And I think a lot of book podcasts aren't always that consistent from what I've seen. And I don't listen to a lot of them because they're not that interesting. Um, I didn't name names. I'm just saying they're not that interesting. (laughs) Um, um, So I think certain shows do work well. Artistic State of Mind recently went to a fortnightly schedule because they're like, it's better if we have some downtime. And I think where the way their show is structured, they were finding it difficult to kind of come with a completely fresh and new opinion each week 
that would be always interesting for a listener. Yeah. So dialing it back means that you've given it more time and more room to breathe. So sometimes it just it just depends on what you can do. And I think if you're doing it independently as well, you really need to factor in like podcasting is not going to be your full time job right away. Right. Like it's just not. So you're going to be working if you're doing your own audio and you have no foundation in audio, which I certainly don't know. I have no intentions to. Right. Um, I tried to do Audacity once and I failed so hard. I was like, FA, this, this is, is you. you. This is your lane. Take it. I, take it back. <laughs> I, I can't. So if you're doing your own editing, like you, there's, a, I think a lot of people go into it thinking, I'm just going to record on my phone and then put it out and it's going to sound amazing. And then the reality is it doesn't sound always amazing. Someone, you have to put in work. There's a lot of pre-production sometimes, a lot of post-production. So I think... Can you talk about those two? So like, what would be a pre-production? Uh, pre- okay? for, well, I can only speak in terms of how I handle pre-production. So yeah. FA... FA has, like, um, I'm looking at what they are, but I don't know what they're called, so I'm looking at it right now. No, okay, like, so I get with the equipment and stuff, but what about from content perspective? From a content perspective, pre-production. so pre-production for us is we prep, we used to prep almost three days before, I think now we do it day before, same day as recording. Because you become a lot more Yeah, to get the most information, uh, the most recent and up-to-date story. Um, so we record on Mondays, our show goes out on a Wednesday, so our process is what is the side eye like melon magic is something that i always find and black twitter moment is always something satia finds those are our core things that we do i can find i can find melon magic well in advance if i wanted to i'm just really lazy and side eye is like i don't think you're lazy in the slightest i mean we can all hear you're not lazy in the slightest but okay so when it comes to melon and magic i am i'm literally so last minute like i'm literally googling black women to see if something amazing (laughs) happened this week um and so with the the side eye there's so many headlines so many things happen in a week that it's like we don't run like other pop culture shows where they talk about loads of subjects at once and just filter through the news Mm. we pick one and we have to we have to like both agree on that one subject, and then when it comes to the Saturday, it's usually loosely related to the Afrobeats, which is the, the the general discussion around it, where we really break it down. So we have to know like, okay, this is the theme from this Saturday. How are we now going to dissect it? And if there's a guest involved, we tend to we already know who the guest is um, in advance. Like, after how does a few that weeks. work? We have a Calendly system now. We used to just do it by hand, and that was a mess. Um, And just Gmail invites. So do you approach guests, or do they they come to you? Some people have approached us. Um, Our guest that was on this week's episode, Jefferson Ellison, who was our first American guest, actually, his publicist sent us a press release about him being, like, one of the youngest creative directors in fashion, who's and he's a brand owner now uh, for for a brand called Drawbreaking. And I was like, this is somewhat interesting. And we had just had an episode with a fashion blogger, plus size blogger, Stephanie. It kind of came just after that. And one of our listeners was also a fashion editor, a freelance fashion editor, who was also on this episode. And she was like, I want to talk more about this from behind the scenes as a fashion insider. And so Sassy was like, okay, well, let's see if we can get both of them on the same episode and talk about it from the industry perspective because we don't like to double up on subjects too much we like to just kind of if we can collaborate as much as possible that's what we did so Jeannie came in and Jefferson called in and that was like they both actually on this occasion proactively said I want to come to you guys and talk about this subject 
And so that's how that happened. But usually we kind of just look at who's interesting, who's got a kind of strong opinion. We don't interview our guests. That's not how our show works. You're coming to join our discussion. Mm. And usually we'll create that discussion somewhat around what you're doing or your subject matter as it ties in with the news. So it is quite a lot of like being very strategic in how that side is created and how it relates to the main debate because that's where the, the guests' opinions yeah. and expertise comes into play. Okay. So usually we do reach out to the people that we know are loud and strong with their opinions because because they're gonna have to be with you to. two i mean otherwise people call you're us gonna, assassins you know you're i'm gonna, just like how <laughs> if they come through and they're not able to hold their own with you two it's a wrap it's <laughs> yeah. a wrap okay so let's uh, try and wrap this up so we know insofar as what it takes like the route of entry it's pretty simple if you do have a strong opinion and you have a unique perspective then by all means creating content like a podcast is something you should do but you should invest in good audio equipment. And audience is quite unforgiving, aren't they, when the yeah. audio is bad? Yeah. Insofar as when it comes down to consistency and whatnot, again, it depends very much on your content. So if it's something that is current affairs and topical, then weekly makes sense. But if it's something that's a little bit more evergreen and long-lasting, so it could be fortnightly or month. Is that fair? Yeah, I'd say that's pretty, yeah. pretty accurate somewhat. In regards to audience and tools needed, I mean, we haven't really spoken about that, but you said you went hard on Twitter. You did a lot of Twitter advertising yeah. and Facebook. Any learnings from there? I only experimented with Facebook twice, and I hated both of those occasions. Okay, why? Because I find Facebook advertising really difficult. I'm not sure why. Okay. Um, I think it, it takes so much experimentation, but the budget for Facebook versus the budget for Twitter, you can get more for your money with Twitter. Uh, whereas I know that with targeting your, like Facebook is second to none in this world. Yeah. Facebook um, and Google, yeah. Sure, sure. Hey. Um, <laughs> I mean, if you say so. I mean, I've tried some Google advertising. I feel like still in terms of being able to target based on certain things, Facebook is pretty, pretty stellar. Okay. Um, for that so Facebook was a bit of a tough nut to crack so we had like a face I think our first port of call actually actually I do know what it was so our first port of call was to just migrate to create a Facebook group of all of the people that we think would be we, we would consider melanin millennials because at this point we had a very clear vision of what the show was it was primarily us as black women speaking about millennial issues so we, like us being black was kind of not the primary focus it was just the millennial struggles but then it was always going to come from the perspective of black women yeah. so they were, they were inextricably linked so we were just like who embodies that that kind of general thing who's quote unquote woke um and we just found all of the pe- all of our friends on facebook that embodied that and added them to a group and then we found that like people actually started adding their yeah, friends, friends to that group now the group is a bit dead the group is dead now but it Why added, is that? oh because i'm really bad at i'm not okay. on facebook yeah, so and i think sassia sometimes is on there um, and when i do remember i do post in there but we it started off really well so we posted our first episode there and people checked it out and looked at it and at the same time i was really like doing a lot of aggressive following on twitter of people in our kind of general demographic um some people just decided to click play and then it became like a thing like oh my god i didn't know that something like this could exist and mm. luckily i had followed a bunch of people from who went to the read live london and they were like oh my gosh something here for me and i think name caught people's attention and i think our artwork is actually really good yeah. so it really was like oh no this makes sense i would i would listen to something like that because it is reminiscent of like that read look but also 
there's purple from like you know and it wasn't actually directly drawn from like another round or the read it was just like this is what the designer came back with right, and okay. this is the one we like but i can see how there's people take away yeah it looked familiar and yeah people were like they compare us to them and i'm like our shows are nothing like these two shows but you just see the artwork and so i get it and so yeah people started listening in and then they started sharing it and then itunes put us on new and noteworthy in society and culture for a long time and then on the main page so we were there and we were picking up new listeners quite a bit and then by i think it was i can't remember when the guardian happened but then the guardian put us in the 50 podcast best podcast to listen to and we were just like what <laughs> what do you mean like amazing do you know how much i love the guardian like yeah. i was such a guardian stan was um, <laughs> things have changed now but i, I was like i love the guard like like that was such an honor like no one expected that and it was in the print version as well i was like this is crazy so we just didn't expect it and then you know mostly lit happened and then all the other shows were going coming on board and then we we're creating this like weird family vibe and it, yeah it was i mean it's amazing i mean you do quality work at the end of the day you put out great products people will yeah, people come, people so, come to it, 100%. So, yeah, there was a lot of, like, proactive... So, but it was initially from the momentum of proactively promoting via yeah. Facebook, so Facebook and Twitter. And Facebook, Twitter, and then we ran ads. I ran a lot of, like, Twitter ads for Melon and Millennials. I'd say it's probably on my budget side, like, I don't have money like that. I was, I knew I was not going to have a job by SX period of time. Yeah. So I was like... Yeah, the way my money is set up, I just definitely <laughs> can't be here spending like hundreds of pounds. I think initially, across maybe three or four months, we put maybe two hundred pounds behind, like pushing Facebook ads and things. And and there's been a good return. Would you say it was I, worthwhile? Yeah, just because I think they're even now not necessarily those particular ads, but the way we have we're more visible than I think our sh- our physical show is like our. Our presence is known to people. Like I've met so many people that are like, oh my god, I know your show, mm. but have you listened to it? Is a yeah. different question. Like we don't get that far sometimes in that conversation. But people know who we are before they've actually listened, or they know of the show, but they're not listeners yet, or they haven't been converted, or it's not for them. So I think we're very we're hyper visible, and I think the ads helped create that. I've seen this this thing around. I've heard of this thing, yeah, um, and that helps a lot. So what's the success like metric or objective? Because obviously this is now officially your bread and butter. Mm-hmm. And since it is a business, you've got to have business goals for it. Now, yeah. what is that? Uh, yeah, that's such a good question. Because I think our overall goal is, for this year for sure, is to just get, to grow the audience. To okay. get more people listening to these shows yeah, just to grow each show's audience. Um, with, have you got a number for those? I mean, I have a personal number yeah, that I have written on my wardrobe right now. Eight. And it's so random. It's like, oh, I think it's 57,340 is what I want to see on an episode. Amazing. I love that. That was so specific. specific. That was so and it's, specific. it's on my phone vision board. It's <laughs> like... It. 57,340. That's for one episode. That's what I want to get to. I've got 6,987 likes on an episode. Not on an episode, but across like a, a time. Yeah. 3,500 comments. Like I actually tweaked um, SoundCloud's code. Like, you know, when you go into Inspector to change things on a web page. The H- no. Changing the HTML. If you go into it on Chrome, you can go to Inspect Element, right? Right, yeah. Um, and you can, cha- you can change the HTML on a page. Yeah, yeah. Just to see what it looks like. Yeah, just to see what yeah. something looks like. So I would go, I did that. I did that to my bank 
details. So when I created my vision board, like I want X amount in my bank account, I went into the inspector and changed the amount that I want in my bank so that I now have it. And I look at it like, oh no, your bank account can say this. Oh, amazing. Um, so you and, screen grabbed that. Yeah, I screen grabbed it. Like I'm balling. <laughs> and I did that. The amazing. same thing with SoundCloud. And I just completely changed it. I'm like, no, because that's what I'm going to see one day. One day I'm going to open up SoundCloud and that's the number I'm going to see. Love it, vision board. Um, so that's that's kind of my personal goal for at least, either, if not an episode of Men and Millennials, my, maybe Mostly Lit, maybe the two of them combined. I don't know how it's going to come about, but that's the number I envisage. Yeah. Um, and then just kind of being more collaborative in terms of the podcast, the wider podcast landscape in the UK. So kind of really not only having like a very firm presence, which I think we're doing a pretty good job of at the moment, but in terms of our business goals, it's just like, how do we make it um, more of a community and how do we readjust the balance in the media? So it's not tied to financial gains because I think podcasting is still very much in its infancy when it comes to the money side here. Yeah. Uh, for this year it's more about how do we execute on a vision and then with that we can start looking at the commercial side more seriously because I think we now are getting approached by sponsors and advertisers so that's a brand new challenge for me to take on because I actually am a bit of a noob when it comes to like money and how that works and if the requests are reasonable and what can I ask the podcasters to do and not do um, that's a challenge but where we're trying to just say like there are different perspectives out there how do we contribute to putting those perspectives out there to a wider community and a wider demographic of people so yeah. those I'd say are our main goals and objectives well I mean I think you just need to continuously do it I mean I think you're well on your way to it yeah 100% is it rewarding do you enjoy it you love it you wouldn't yeah yeah, there's ups and downs, it's, I guess, with everything. It is a roller coaster. Okay. I do enjoy it. I do enjoy, I, I live for every moment of it. And I know that I feel like there's always like a new moment where I'm just going to be like, after this point, I'm going to be like, this was the greatest thing I've ever done. And then like the next day, I'm going to be stressed out again. Like yeah. I'm just aware that that is the process. Right. Yeah. But you're definitely highly recommended to my listeners if they wanted to start. Yeah, absolutely. Do start it. Just put it out there because you're only going to get better with time. I think all of our shows have gotten better over, across the year. Like no one starts off doing like the most perfect show. Yeah. It doesn't happen. You have to grow and you have your content's going to change and your listeners are going to change and grow with you. So it is the most rewarding experience to kind of just see how you develop and you're essentially documenting your own experiences. It's what could be better than that? No, I mean, jeez, I've never even thought about it that way, but yeah, yeah. that's really succinctly put. <laughs> Ding! Okay, um, so I'm going to round it up with some quick fire questions. And one of them is, would you rather your child be smart or good looking? I don't want any children. Wow, okay, so you did. <laughs> I should have done my research. Emery doesn't want any children. Okay. Uh, what would you spend your last five pounds on? I gave my last five pounds to a homeless person that's two weeks ago. That's what you do. Yeah, and that, that literally happened like two weeks ago at Ballam Station. Um, she was shivering so badly and I had no money on my Oyster card. I was, I've been working at Caribbean Takeaway for like the last six weeks. I just left. Right? And I was like, I need to get home. I may have like a couple of quid on my, my, on my bank card. Mm. I think I had like 10 pounds in, in the bank and this woman was just shivering and I was like, there's five pounds in my purse. Go, please get shelter. Um, and I, I reported her to Streetlink as well. So I was like, that's what that's what I'd probably do with my last five pounds, to be honest. If I saw someone in need, that's where it's going. Otherwise, Amazing. I'd probably just buy McDonald's. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. And I always end with this. So 
What's your definition of success and how would you like to be remembered? So Ooh. success and how you'd like to be remembered. That's like multiple questions in one question. I know, it was a lot. How, what was the first one? The first one <laughs> is your definition of success. Do you see yourself as a success? Uh, my definition of success is, I haven't defined it yet. Okay. Um, do I see myself as successful? I would say yes. Because I do not tie success to finance or financial gain. Because if that was the case, I'm not successful by anyone's imagination. But I would say I'm, I am successful in that I have very clear goals. So my definition of success would be having very clear goals and a very clear vision. And if you're executing and achieving it at the same time, whether you've got there yet, it doesn't matter. But if you're on your way to achieving it, then you are successful. Amazing. Which yeah. then ties to the final questions. How would you like to be remembered? I would like to be remembered in the way Fidel Castro is remembered, as a person that may be loved by some or hated by some. <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so how can we find your support and just, you know, share and show you some love? Uh, so I'm on Twitter at Amy Morgan. That's I-M-I and Morgan, like the captain. And uh, you can find Melanin Millennials at Melanin Mill with an E at the end. And I'm also the Shout Networks at ShoutoutLDN on Twitter and shout, at ShoutoutLDN on Instagram. And then obviously the Shout Networks website is shoutoutnetwork.co.uk. Um, so all of those shows are there. We have quite a few events coming up in the next year. Some are bigger than others. So that's something to look, keep an eye out for. And yeah, I think that's pretty much all of our content details. No, amazing. I'm going to put that, guys, as always, in the show notes. So, once again, thank you very much for your time. You are welcome. It's been an absolute pleasure. There's a lot of things I did not know about you, and I'm sure maybe a lot of people didn't as well, but you've been phenomenal, so thank you very much. Cheers, Ade. So, guys, stay tuned for another episode of Black Ticulate. Boom. Hey, guys. How did you find the episode? I hope it was useful. Um, we're always trying to make this as useful as possible to you. So if you do what it is our guest did and there were things that we didn't cover or the things that we didn't talk about, then please get in touch. And secondly, if you are able to teach us what it is you do as a profession, then also get in touch because we would love to feature you on Black Ticulate. And you can do that via our social media accounts or even our email which is contact at blackticulate.com. We appreciate your support as always, and we'll see you on the next episode of Black Ticulate. Have a great day. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 